Welcome to this week's edition of the Pete Mazzetti Show. I'm your host, Pete Mazzetti. My guest this evening is Joe Giletti, who's the commissioner of the Department of Transportation. Commissioner Giletti, welcome. How are you? Very good. How are you, Pete? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for coming down, Commissioner. It's been it's been, been a while, actually. This is the first time you and I have actually sat and talked, but we spoke this morning. So nice to finally nice to finally meet you face, face <laughs> to face. <laughs> Sounds great. Sounds great. You know, I've been looking forward. I've heard an awful lot about your show, and I know that I've seen a number of your guests, and I've actually gone on to watch some of your interviews. So I'm well, looking forward to this. Beat. Thank you. Thank you. So, Commissioner Gelati, tell us a little bit about yourself and your ba your background. Oh, okay. All right. Um, first off, I'm, I'm coming close to 50 years in the industry. I started as a conductor in 1971 and that effect june 9th 1971 in cedar hill new haven oh, wow. uh, back then you worked for penn central and you did both passenger and freight you know i've spent a long career on the railroad i've worked almost every position both on the mechanical side the operation side the um you know also did process re-engineering um eventually went down to i was a superintendent for the new haven and harlem lines went down to Florida to start a new system there called Tri-Rail, which became the regional authority down there, was brought back to New York to be the president of Metro North after they had all the accidents in 2013 and 2014. Sure. They brought me back because they were in the middle of several NTSB investigations and we had about 75 FRA officials on the system that we had to get cleaned up. And then uh, shortly thereafter, I was asked by uh, Governor Lamont to join his team as the Commissioner of Transportation in Connecticut. And uh, that's been very, very interesting. I, I now uh, have uh, the highway systems, the construction systems, everything to do with the, you know, both the roads and, and buildings for the DOT, uh, as well as I sit on the airport authority and the um, port authority. And, you know, um, we have three, passenger rail lines in association with Amtrak, and we have bus systems and a ferry system. So, uh, you know, and, and freight that operates through as well. So it's a very engaging and very exciting position. I'm sure it's a very interesting position as well. That's true. That's very, very true. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Now, Joe, let's talk about some, some of the current issues that we're currently experiencing in the state of Connecticut. Well, you know, if you don't mind, I'd like to start with what we just went through this weekend, which oh, absolutely. is absolutely yeah, that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> good because it gives me a chance to talk about and and again, uh, you know, I will tell you we've gotten some tremendous feedback. Okay. Uh, we try to put all the information out there. We're in the middle. Um, don't let me forget to remind you about what we're doing to modernize and bring things in. But I want to talk okay. a little bit about what we had to go through just in terms of this snowstorm alone to give people. Sure kind of an idea of what happens. You know, we, we start getting the forecasts for the storms. We turn around and, and we've gone now to almost a completely computerized system for how do we respond. We're constantly taking measurements from the road. It tells us how cold the roads are, whether we can pre-treat the roads. You know, we then have to use a saline solution if we're gonna pre-treat. The other end of it is depending on how the storm is going, whether or not we take it down to bare, or if we know that it's gonna turn more icy at the end, you have to leave a little bit of the snow down so you can pull the ice off at the same time. Mm -hmm. And we project when it is that we have to shut down, uh, you know, empty tandem uh, tractor trailers and tandem trucks going through in order to be able to keep our plows going. And to give you an example, just this last storm, 
we had over five of our plows hit by people that weren't paying attention and pulled too close to the plows. This is a constant problem for us, and that's why we're constantly reminding people, please pay attention, please watch out for you know our workers that are out there. Um, same thing with the state police. The last storm, several of the state police cars got hit. And again, it's because in some cases, people going too fast, in other cases, people not paying attention. But to give you an example, we put out over 600 of our trucks out there. Okay. Most cases, it's a single driver with a computer, and then they have arms that reach out that can do up to three lanes. And we are doing this on all, you know, we have, oh, I believe over 11,000 miles of road that we have to have to handle, okay. okay? And in the meantime, while this is going on, we also have to work with all of our rail providers. So we had Shoreline East going, we had the Metro North system going, we had the Hartford line going, we had Amtrak going. Wow. And at the same time that all this is going, we're also keeping our buses going and constantly monitoring how the cities are doing with keeping their streets clear and how long we can keep the bus systems going. And I say all this because, you know, it's it's an honor for me to represent all those employees that are out there trying to keep our roads safe, keep our people safe, and keep all of our roads open for the highway systems and, and the rail systems that people need to live and work in, in this state. Right. So I'll, I'll start with that one. How's that sound? That's fine. That's fine. Keep going. Okay, so if I can, I can move into my next, you know, what I'll call, you know, for the guy that came in here that, you know, was looking at how are we going to expand services and everything else here, I suddenly got hit with a pandemic. So I'm working my way back a little bit. So let's yeah. talk about what happened when we got hit with a pandemic here in the state. Sure. You know, the first thing that happened was I started to find that, you know, uh, Governor Lamont, and I had a conversation. Okay. He wanted to keep businesses going. He wanted to keep construction going and infrastructure going. So the first thing we had to decide to do was we, we made it a public announcement that we were going to keep our highways open. Some states had decided they were going to close down their rest areas and not provide for the truckers to go through. Right. We instead made sure all of our rest areas were staying open. We even in cases where there was no food at those rest areas, worked out a deal to bring in food trucks so that you know there would be food available in some of those areas so that they could get that. We turned around and even in terms of some of the restaurants and everything else when they were starting to try and open them up, whether or not we could get you know approval from the federal government to be able to allow some of the sidewalks to be used so that we could have outdoor dining going on. You know, we, we felt that, you know, uh, from this from an agency standpoint, we wanted to do everything we could to keep business going. So we reached out to all our construction partners. Uh, that includes on the railroads as well. And you know what we were dealing with at that time, if you remember when this thing first started, every time you had one positive hit, you had to put everybody into isolation for 12 days. Absolutely. So we were, we were turning around and trying to stagger our gangs. So that way there, we never had all the people in at one time. Right. So that way there, if we lost an area, we at least had the other half to go and back it up. The same thing went on on the railroad. And while all this was going on, we made decisions that we were, we were never going to see this level of, of opportunity in terms of the highway traffic and the rail traffic. So we turned around and started finishing off construction jobs that we had as nights only and weekends only, and we allowed them to start working during the days. We were able to increase productivity on it. 
we were able to get, for example, the Waterbury line completed for both the positive train control, and we're now on schedule to complete the signal system by the end of this year, okay. which is going to allow for a lot more service over there. We turned around and got a lot more paving done because instead of limiting very, very small sections of the highway at a time, we were able to extend it so we could try and get more done during a period that the ridership was down. And let's talk about the ridership being down. Sure. The ridership into New York dropped to about 8% of the people going into New York City. Wow. Um, all the way through this, I've had what they call a seven-state call, where I stay in touch with the seven states along the, the Northeast corridor up where we are right now. So I knew Boston was experiencing the exact same thing. Their ridership was so far down, they didn't even keep a regular train schedule going. Oh, they wow. decided that they were going to do an on-demand service. As they saw the ridership, they would look at how it was picking up. We turned around and dropped the service levels down to about 65% of Metro North. We dropped them as well on Shoreline East and the Hartford line. Right. But, you know, um, the in the overall, where it had started to come back a little bit into, into New York, it then when the second wave hit, it dropped back down again. So we're lucky right now if we got somewhere in the 12 to 20% of the people going into New York City. Same thing is true, by the way, from the New, the New Jersey side. Um, I talk all the time to, to Kevin, who operates the New Jersey system. They're experiencing the same levels, uh, almost identical in terms of the number of people that are heading into the city. Right. Where we did see somewhat of an increase was on the, you know, intrastate. The people that were going, let's say, between New Haven and Stanford suddenly started going at back up to the 30 to 40 percent level. Right. Buses, which had originally dropped down to about 40 percent, went back up to 60 or 70 percent. But we also had a problem there, uh -oh. unlike New York, where they had already put up plexiglass dividers to keep the drivers safe. Yep. We didn't have that here in Connecticut, so we had to immediately begin an installation. And while we were doing that, we had to rope off the front section of seats to keep our bus drivers protected. Absolutely. We called it an honor system. But the truth of the matter is there were no fares being collected during this period of time. So we lost all the revenue from the bus side. And with 8% of the ridership on the rail side, you know, nobody was buying monthly passes into New York anymore. So lost a tremendous amount of revenue on the, on the rail side as well. So, you know, we've been adapting to that. We had to make sure first that we could get out as much of the PPP as possible. And, and um, you know, it, it turned out that we were very fortunate. Metro North was able to start getting the mask even faster than we were. We were able to get masks out to the public. We were able to get masks out to all of our, our um, conductors, our engineers, our personnel that are out there. And we were able to get masks to our highway people that had to keep the highways open through this whole time, um, working with the state police to go and keep our roads open. So, you know, from that end, we also got, them, got all of it as well for the bus drivers who were the first ones we tried to get all the protective device to because they were most dealing with the face-to-face -face contact with people that had to use the bus systems to go back and forth to essential businesses, mm -hmm. to hospitals, to places of employment. So, you know, we learned some things to this too. When, when we shut the Waterbury line down, we actually had to have more buses on because of the demand for uh, people that needed to be able to get there's hospitals that are along that line as well as essential workplaces along those lines. So we found that we had to be very flexible, adapt our schedules. Some of the cities required more bus services to go on. So busing came back the quickest of all. Okay. 
highways started to come back. But I want to remind everybody, when we start talking about the highways being at pre-COVID levels, yes, yes, they're at pre-COVID levels, but that's without all the ridership going to New York that's on the trains. So as we start to see the businesses opening up, which, by the way, the last report I got, I talked to the seven states on either a weekly or bi-weekly basis. I talked to New York on at least a weekly, if not a daily basis, uh, as well as Boston, and they were at about 10% occupancy. When that starts to come back and we start seeing more and more people needing to go into New York, you're not going to see that the highways are going to be able to sustain that type of ridership going in. We'll start seeing more and more of the return to transit, which brings up another point, which was everybody was concerned about how do you protect the public? We're protecting our employees. How do you protect the public? How are they going to feel safe about getting on the trains? We ended up not only doing joint investigations with all of our commuter rail um, associates, but we also used Yale to take a look at what is the safety factor on our rail cars? And we got some very good news there. The fact that the rail car actually exchanges air every five minutes makes it one of the safest ways to go and travel because there's a constant flow of air going through those cars that ends up being the, one of the best preventive measures when you're dealing with this COVID situation. So before I continue on, because I also want to talk to you about traffic cameras and highways, but is there anything you want to ask me at this point? Before we continue on, we're going to step away for a short break and we'll be right back. We'll be right back. Thank you, Connecticut, for doing your part to stop the spread of COVID-19, for wearing your masks, washing your hands, and keeping your distance. So keep it up, Connecticut. We've come too far to go back. from your neighborhood to your naturehood. To find a neighborhood park or green space near you, visit discovertheforest.org. Welcome back to this week's edition of the Pete Mazzetti Show. I'm Pete Mazzetti sitting here with Connecticut DOT Commissioner Joe Gilletti. Commissioner Gilletti, welcome back. Well, thank you for having me back, Pete. How are you? Good. How are you, sir? You know, I'm, I'm hanging in there. It's it's That's, interesting. We're between snowstorms right now, so it's a it's a it's an exciting time. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Joe, before the break, we were talking about traffic cameras. I was wondering if we can start this segment talking about traffic cameras and. Well, I, I was actually going to start with the signals. Okay. okay. All right. We'll one start with one the of signals, the big right. things that we have going right now, and the sure. governor is very excited about it. We've now put cameras out there that monitor the um, traffic that's out there. Um, if you know, you're going to have to come over, Pete. I'm going to have to get you into our, our headquarters in Newington so you can see okay. all the cameras that we have out there. We've got them divided up between Newington and Bridgeport with the state police where we're watching all the roads that are out there. And we can see whether or not our plows are getting the roads done. We can see where the accidents are. It's terrific on that end. And the next phase that I wanted to talk about was... We're also looking at 
Connecticut right now, um, you know, there's 169 towns and yep. yet we get the responsibility for most of the roads and almost all the signals that are out there. And what we're looking at right now is the new intelligent signaling system that can be put into place that can actually learn traffic patterns and adjust automatically without having to cut those lines into the road that you see that tells when a car is there. Mm -hmm. And it can try and keep the green going longer to make sure that we got the traffic flowing. And eventually, even if a game were to get out at a certain town and it started to see the patterns going that way, it can keep the traffic flowing to get them to a highway system. Now, the reason I say, you know, I, I, I want to be clear. Sure. When I came here, what they've had to do to keep this system going, because there wasn't the money to go and invest in it, right. they would turn around and a signal is sitting out there. And the way that you generally found out whether or not that signal was working or not working was by a complaint being called in because there was no centralization, no way of knowing where signals went out. Right. So we're on an ambitious campaign right now to centralize all those signaling systems so that we don't have to wait for somebody to go and tell us that it's failed, that they'll constantly be talking to us and we will be aware of where the, our signals are going out and what we need to go and do to keep that traffic flowing. And similarly, we're also looking at, you know, the latest federal standards. And I found this interesting. You know, I was surprised when I went over to Europe about how many rotaries there were. Okay. And I never completely understood until I got into this position that the advantage with a rotary is in most cases, you can keep moving. You don't come to a complete stop. You go into a yield. Yep. And if there is an accident, it's more of a side swipe than a T-bone. Okay. So it actually saves lives and keeps traffic moving and ends up being greener for the economy because instead of you stopping and starting again which you know releases more of these emissions mm -hmm. you're constantly moving things forward so this is another one of the campaigns we've got one of the first ones going in on route 10 up around granby but we're going to start seeing these rotaries as we follow through with the latest in terms of what the you know federal investigation into the best practices are and that's what we go to try and follow on this is some of the best practices and and making sure that we're doing everything we can to work with the people to keep our highways as safe as possible and moving in the right direction okay and what what else we want to talk about what else we want to educate everybody about what's going on well i liked your public message during the break where oh, you, you talked like about that. making sure you're washing your hands making sure you're wearing masks making Absolutely. sure you're socially distancing <laughs> the other thing i want to really put out there is that you know we have a problem right now that people are going too fast on the highways okay right and you know um, it's resulted in in the fact that you know though traffic volumes were down Horrific accidents were not. So, you know, um, the, uh, the, the strong message is when you do that, you're also impacting our hospitalization, the number of people that have to be taken off, the state police that have to respond, the, right. you know, the workers from my department that have to respond for these accidents that are taking place. And I just said to you in the last snowstorm alone, yep. there were five cars that went into the back of our plows. You know, we need to be mindful of this. So one of the messages you can help me on is making sure that everybody's getting that message that you have to be aware. Yes, you know, there was less traffic. The traffic is building up. We have to be following speed limits because it's caused us an awful lot of problems out there. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, how far how far from a plow should you stay if you're, if you're commuting and 
you see a plow in front of you. How, how far back should you? I, I, love, I love the way you asked that, Pete, okay? Because <laughs> the problem that I have isn't people deciding how far to stay behind it. It's how many people are trying to figure out how they can beat that plow and go around it, which is the most dangerous thing that you can do, all right? <laughs> right. And yet it goes on all the time. Absolutely. So, you know, the truth of the matter is, you know, you should be gauging the speed of the plow because the plow is trying to work with the road conditions that are out there and move it along. And believe right. me, they're trying to keep the highway moving along. They're not Absolutely. trying to slow everybody down. So, you know, again, line of sight, seeing it, maintaining your distance and also keeping an eye up in your rearview mirror to make sure the person behind you is keeping a, the distance as well. So uh, I would say from that end. Okay. So, um, and Pete, one of the yeah. other things that I really need to get a message across is, sure. you know, one of the reasons we're still operating as a state and operating as well as we are, we're getting tremendous accolades. Um, matter of fact, from the Federal Railroad Administration, we got 50% of their money last year oh, for wow. the entire country for two of our bridges here. And that's a reflection on how they how they value the work that's done here in Connecticut. But it's also a reflection of we have a great delegation that's down there. We got CARES funding that allowed us to keep the trains going. Otherwise, I would not have had the funding to keep all the trains and buses going. Right. But we've been able to keep the trains and buses going for at least another year to two while we work out what the what the new norm is going to be. And I know you've had a number of our congressional delegations on your show, mm -hmm. and this is my chance to go and say to them how much we appreciate them, and we appreciate you know Governor Lamont and our current legislators who are also helping us to, to make sure that we can keep this state moving in the right direction. Absolutely, absolutely. And we've got some more time left, so what else would you like to cover, Joe? Sure. You know, the, the other things I'd like to talk about is, you know, the, the fact that, you know, right now, though, there is a lot of discussion about how many people are moving into Connecticut. All right. New York is still, after 9-11, a lot of businesses moved out of New York, right. but we saw the return to New York. All right. And I've been asked before whether or not I'm bullish on New York, and I have to be bullish on New York. Right. You know, it's, it's an, ec an economic driver. We've got a lot of opportunity going forward. We're also, you know, I, I mentioned our legislative. I should also point out that not only are we looking at the chair of appropriations being here in Connecticut, mm -hmm. we're also looking that, you know, um, I have a, a, a close associate who's now become the president of Amtrak. Okay. We have a president that is very excited about Amtrak and about, you know, rail in general. Yeah. And we have a secretary of transportation who just this past week announced that he's very, very pro high speed rail. Okay. And we are running a high speed system up to, to Hartford. It's only 100 mile an hour, but it is a high speed system. Right. But Amtrak is looking for us to as well partner on how we're going to increase speeds and go faster on this corridor and produce a high speed rail corridor up in this corridor as well. So I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the tremendous amount of opportunity we have both on the highway side and on the rail side sure. in terms of moving people along and being very, very fortunate to have an engaged delegation that is helping us to recover from this pandemic and setting our path going forward to make sure that we're using this not as an, you know, instead of, instead of licking our wounds over how bad it was to go through this pandemic, we're looking for every opportunity to take advantage 
and get things done that are going to keep the state going, you know, going forward. We're, we're going to see more of the double exit ramps, so we don't see the backups. We're going to see where it is that our investments are going to go, for example, down on 91 and 691, where we can add an additional lane to break off onto the 691 from 91 and get rid of that jam up that occurs almost every night and every weekend. We're going to look at whether or not we increase the lane between Stanford and the state line because if we can put in a lane there, we'll, we'll end that backup that goes all the way to Norwalk. And if we put in an extra line going to State Road 7 in the opposite direction, we can eliminate the backup that goes all the way to Stanford. So I want you to know you've got a DOT that is constantly sitting down with our federal partners, looking at the plans going forward, looking as well. I've, I've talked to you about the highway side. I'm talking yeah. to you about the rail side. Absolutely. And, you know, we are actually sitting poised to see some great changes come through here. And I'm constantly asked by our governor, when are you gonna start running the trains faster? So we're working on every plan we can to get some faster train service in there. Absolutely, absolutely. And how, how are things going with Shoreline East? With what's going on? Has it bounced back? No, no, no not at all. No, and, and, you know, and not because there isn't a willingness, it's just that, you know, it's like everything else. Um, exactly. The problem has been, you know, ridership is way down. Um, and Shoreline East suffers the same way the Hartford line does and the same way Metro North uh, suffers. So, no, there's, it's not come back. Um, you know, I happen to believe that it will come back and I happen to believe that Shoreline is going to be critical for some of the high speed rail that's going to be coming in. And, you know, one of the things we're getting, I'm going to say that we're getting better at is we're looking at how do we make investments in the future? Do we make sure that when we put in a new housing development okay. that we're doing it so that it ties into a transportation system so that it ties into whether it's going to be rapid transit bus that takes you to you know places of employment or to the rail systems or to to city uh, and urban centers these are all the things that you know i sit down you know the the sailor is a, with the department of housing mm -hmm. we look at what are the opportunities so that way there you don't suddenly you know, the way it used to be is they go and build a housing development and then they say, where's the transportation? And that's not the way it's going to be. And another thing I would like to point out is the partnership we've entered into New Haven is an example of the way it's going to be going forward. We now have a partnership with the city of New Haven where we're both investing land, we're both investing resources. So that way there, there can be a private partnership there that can you know, attract businesses in, perhaps a hotel in, but make it a gateway for the city so the city is enhanced by it and we've got a revenue stream that can keep that operation going so we don't put the burden onto the, just the, the tickets, but instead have ways of offsetting the costs of making that work. A lot of exciting things, Pete. Absolutely. Well, Commissioner Gilletti, we're out of time, so I want to thank you for coming uh -huh. down and hopefully we'll have you again on again soon. I would love that. And, and thank you. Thank you for the thank opportunity you, to talk about the things that are going on. And, you know, thanks for what you're doing, Pete. Well, thank you, Joe. On, on behalf of Commissioner Joe Gilletti, I'm Pete Mazzetti. Thanks. Good night. And we'll see you next time.